What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Borglund. Today, we have Jackson Lehmeyer here from Pastors for Trump on this broadcast. And I got to tell you, I have no idea what to expect. Those of you, I'm not a Trump supporter, but frankly, I'm not a supporter of anyone in these government. I don't know how much back history they did before they decided to come on this program, but nonetheless, I intend to give them a fair shot to speak their truth. I plan on asking whatever questions come through me. And while again, I don't support Trump, I'm going to be respectful. Also, him being a man of God and from my hometown, I, I want to be somewhat respectful, but no, I listen, I've given everyone an opportunity on a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund to speak freely, speak their truth without judgment. And when I feel led to ask a hard question, I'm going to ask it. And I'm not going to just go along with what I'm being told if I disagree. But at the same time, I believe everyone has a right to speak their truth. And there's a reason why these pastors support Trump. And I want to know why, because frankly, it doesn't make sense to me. And I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, hope today that I get evidence or some kind of information that speaks to my heart that changes my mind and what I believe. What do I believe about? That's complicated, but I will say that it's not very, I don't have a very positive outlook. I'll just leave it at that for now. With that said, I am excited to speak to Jackson because he's done a lot of amazing work, has an amazing family. His podcast, Unfiltered, is very interesting. And he just seems like a really cool guy. So I'm sincerely excited to have him here. But I also have a lot of questions because so much doesn't make sense to me. And I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that go, why in the world? How do preachers support Trump? Some people say it's because of his stance on abortion. Some people say, frankly, I don't know. His fight to protect Christians. I don't know. To me, that does not seem like a good reason to throw our support and just turn the turn a blind eye to everything else. But that said, I believe in being fair. And at the same time, if I just because I don't understand something doesn't mean it's wrong or right. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Jackson Lehmeyer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I am so honored today to introduce to you Jackson Lehmeyer, who's here representing Pastors for Trump. Sir, I am so honored to have you. I You have your podcast, Unfiltered, is really good. I started listening to it. I love it. You're a great pastor. Just really honored to have you here today. So welcome. And before we get into all the fun, asking you about Pastors for Trump and why you do what you do, why you take the stands that you take, I'd like to know, what are you grateful for today and why? Hey, thanks for having me on. And that's a great question. I can tell you I'm beyond grateful for my wife, Kendra, and our kids. But in regards to, let's say, what's happening in our nation, because that's what you're having me on to talk for, I'm grateful for people like you who are using treasure uh, to help advance the cause of saving our country. And so it takes more and more people like yourself getting into the fight. So I'm very grateful for those who are stepping out on the water, doing something. I appreciate that. And I want to be clear and, and honest. I am not a Trump supporter, but frankly, I don't support any of our leaders. I And I don't mean this disrespectful at all. I am, I'm, what do they call a political, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm neutral at this point because I'm looking for the right leadership. I'm looking for leadership that's going to tell the truth. And I'm going to, I'm looking for leadership that is going to be honest and fair across the board. And so while I don't support Trump, there are a lot of things that he's done that I look at and go, yeah, I can vibe with that. I can get with that. 
So I'm not anti anybody. I just am one of those people that I want truth and I want everyone to have an equal opportunity to live out their God-given purpose and what they were created for. I want to be clear before I'm not a Trump cheerleader, but I'm honored that you're here anyway. I want to know, listen, you're, you have a, again, your podcast unfiltered is fantastic. And again, I just started listening. You have a beautiful family and I love what you're all about, but what led you to create an organization like Pastors for Trump? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm the pastor of Sheridan Church in Tulsa, and I've been politically engaged and involved probably since 2020 when things intensified and heated up. We kept our church open. We didn't close down. We never enforced the mask mandate. And then I signed over 60,000 COVID-19 religious exemption forms, helping people keep their jobs without taking that jab. And so we've been engaged. It's not like we've been on the sidelines. We've been engaged. And I recognized that Donald Trump, during his first four years, was the most pro-Christian president in my lifetime. It's not even been close in the regards to what president has moved the needle for the Christian agenda in the United States with three Supreme Court justices that helped do something that none of us actually thought was actually ever going to happen. And that was overturning Roe v. Wade and sending it back to the states where now you have a state like Oklahoma that is in the position to be completely abortion-free state. And that's thanks to Donald Trump. And in regards to the Abraham Accords, that was supposed to spark World War III, actually. It sparked peace in the Middle East for the first time in how long? And then moving the embassy. This is a big one that a lot of people don't talk about or give him credit for, but every president from Clinton to Bush to Obama said they would move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And none of them did. They all promised it. None of them did. Donald Trump promised it, and then he did it. A huge risky move, too, because by doing that, you're indicating something. We, as the United States of America, recognize Jerusalem as the capital city, not of Palestine, but of Israel. And that is a huge geopolitical statement. And so Donald Trump doing those things, those are just a few things, I recognize that he advanced the Christian agenda. And now we have former Vice President Joe Biden in the Oval Office and you've got somebody who is pushing for abortion. And you've got somebody who is totally against the nation state of Israel, once a dual state. Somebody that is a godless globalist. And when you put the two in comparison, I don't see how any pastor or any evangelical Christian could say, I'm going to get behind Biden as opposed to getting behind Trump, because those are our two options. We have to be realistic. Jesus is not coming down to run for the president of the United States. That would be a demotion. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's not going to run for president of the United States. So you have choices here, and you have to make your choice. And so we are 100% behind President Trump. He's very grateful for our efforts, because the largest voting bloc in America is the evangelical voting bloc. And how do you get evangelicals turning out to vote? You mobilize pastors because Christians, they listen to their pastors. And that's what Pastors for Trump is all about. That is a very well-spoken answer. I want to talk to you about the vaccine because Trump does claim to be the father of vaccines. And this is where my disconnect with Trump. I was a Trump cheerleader. However, as somebody that has HIV, when this COVID first broke out, I noticed that Gilead was involved. And I said, that's weird. Why would a HIV drug company be involved in this search for a vaccine and to, to stop COVID? So I did more research. And being a former junkie that knew how to navigate the dark web and find information, 
I found information that was very alarming. I read a book about mind control where it talks about mRNA technology that was written in the 70s. And then I started to piece together, okay, what's actually going in this vaccine? Then did research about graphene and mRNA and how it works with 5G technology. And then noticing and making the connection that this is part of some of the vaccines and I'm hearing Trump say, I'm the father of vaccines. If you've ever seen graphene, mRNA, and 5G work together in the fourth industrial revolution, which we are in, but going to really see it soon, you see how the vaccine plays a role in this moving us into the fourth industrial revolution, the internet of bodies, and so on. So that part really made me step back and go, what's going on with Trump? And then you brought up the Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords coin, there's a lot of symbolism. I'm very familiar with symbolism because I used to practice the dark arts. And of course, thank God for how he changed my life and changed my heart and changed my mind. But I have that question. That is this point that I disconnected from supporting Trump because I know about the internet of bodies. I know about this agenda. I used to see it as a kid, like in my visions and dreams. And I thought I was insane and here we are, it's all happening. Can you speak to that as a man of God who spoke out against the vaccines, but you're supporting Trump, the father of the vaccines. Can you please explain that to me and make it make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's a million dollar question. It's a good point. It's not an invalid, oh, you're crazy. And we're just <laughs> going to disregard that. That's obviously I wouldn't have signed 60,000 COVID-19 religious exemption forms if God I wasn't somewhat concerned about people being forced to take an experimental mRNA it's not a vaccine. That's the first thing. It's not a vaccine. It's genetic modification and editing is really what it is. So we've mislabeled it because most Americans have grown to trust, per se, the word vaccine. That's just a, a trusted word for most people. So we have to remember who actually headed Operation Warp Speed. So obviously, Donald Trump, as the commander in chief, he is, and the buck stops with him. There's no doubt about it. But who actually spearheaded that effort? It was Mike Pence. Mike Pence was the man that spearheaded this effort. And so as the president of the United States, you are given information from your advisors and your team. Some information is good information. Some information is disinformation. And Trump, in his efforts to try to reopen the country, being advised, we have to roll out this vaccine. That's why it was called warp speed. We've got to get it from A to B immediately. we got to get it out because people are not going to want to reopen the nation if there's not some way to combat this virus that's supposed to kill everybody and didn't actually do what it was promised. You talk about over-promising and under-delivering. COVID was way over-promised and highly under-delivered in the sense of the result of death. And you do have to take into consideration who actually headed Operation Warp Speed. It was not Donald Trump. Is he the father of it? Is he the face of it? Absolutely. Is he still taking credit for it? Yes, he is. But Mike Pence is the one who spearheaded that entire thing. And I don't trust Mike Pence too much. That's just my personal observation from being in this a little bit. I'm not super highly involved, but I've been in it a little bit. And Mike Pence, he puts on a good front. But I think there's some things behind the front. That's just my personal opinion. And so <clears throat> I recognize that Mike Pence wants to run for president of the United States. He should never be the president of the United States. Oh, then I you have some that. other people that are wanting to run as well. And I recognize that Donald Trump 
is a nationalist. He is not a globalist. I am of the opinion that what sparked this entire mess was when Donald Trump went to the World Economic Forum and he said, nationalism will be our creed. And what he did is he poked the eye of the bear and then they unleashed hell on the planet in 2020 to make sure, Donald, what do you do? You destroy the economy. It was a tremendous move on their end. They destroyed the economy. And Trump, in his way to try to reopen the economy, took on Operation Warp Speed, thinking that it would get people a safety and a security to reopen up things. I do not think the promotion of the vaccine is something that is going to help President Trump in his reelection bid because the vast majority of the base, this is just the reality, the vast majority of the base, we're not anti vaxxers. We are very much anti-COVID-19, mRNA, genetic editing, very much. And so I think it is an important thing for President Trump to steer away from that and to even own some of it and say, you know what, I may have been misled on what was presented to me from my Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we now know 100%, he's the greatest mass murderer in human history. That's and right. you just have to realize who was around the president at that time. And I believe that he has learned a ton. He has cleaned out many of those people that were around him, ill-advising him, in my opinion. And Donald Trump is not perfect. He is a man like you and I. You can imagine this many voices coming to you sure. for their agenda to be moved one way or the other. You're in a total crisis mode trying to keep the people of America looking forward. You want to reopen the country. And so I think we have to take a look and put a little bit of the finger, not necessarily just exclusively on Donald Trump, but on Mike Pence, who spearheaded the entire operation and chose how this was going to take place. He led it. I, that's a fair answer. And it's also accurate. I, although I have heard recently Trump still bragging about saving millions oh, yeah. and so forth. And that's disturbing, but I'll, uh, your answer is a legitimate answer, and I do appreciate that. It's not a perfect answer. It's not the answer I'd, no, like, to I I'd like to give you that he has said we're backing off from this. I, I, I'm i not in agreement with that, but I can tell you he's got a much better stance than Joe Biden on it. No, that's Biden's fair. Is, you will take it or you will lose your job. At least with Trump, it's, hey, if you want to take this, take it. If you don't want to take it, that's your choice. I can live with that. I, and there is, I, there's a theory that floated around Hollywood for years, and it's gone underground a little bit, that there's two Donald Trumps. There's interviews where you can hear people talk about the two Donald Trumps. You can hear Benjamin Carson, or whatever his name is, talk about it as well. And it's interesting to me because when I watch Trump, there are times I'm going, no wonder everyone, there's people that like him. Yeah, this is a likable guy. I want to root for him. And then there are times I hear him, I'm going, how in the world can Christians support this guy? He is the representation of the seven deadly sins. Like he lives it every day. And so then I look at that. And I'm like, I find this. I understand saving babies. I get that. I really get it. I understand saving America and all that. I understand why people want that. But then I see all the other stuff that gets excused. And it's, but if I, re I remember try giving my testimony in church and watching people run from me, because I shared so openly about my sins of my past that God set me free from. But yet we have a guy up here that we're, that every day <laughs> he's on TV, he's doing one of the seven deadly sins. And I'm like, I got judged and can never speak in a church again. And he, everyone wants him to be president. This doesn't, 
there's wires crossed here for me and I don't get it. How is it? Like, I thought as Christians, when a brother falls, you go after him and you build him up and you love him and you like, hey, you correct him the biblical way. I don't see that happening. Can you explain that part of it? Like, why is so much look the other way? Is it because he's taking all of these bullets and fighting for the causes that Christians need? Or is there something else? I think the thing that Christians really appreciate about Donald Trump is he does not use his Christianity to pull people in. He's no hypocrite. He is who he is. He's honest about who he is. Whereas many of these politicians, they paint themselves out to be the greatest saint in the world. It's true. And at the same time, they're lying to our face. And so the hypocrisy Christians have grown disillusioned to. I would rather be somebody who's real, who's somebody who's raw. I'm not approving and I'm not condoning. I'm like, yeah, I like that's not what we're saying. But at least you know what you get. I would rather have somebody who's authentic than somebody who's a complete hypocrite. And most of these politicians, they claim their Christianity so strongly during campaign season. Oh, they act like they're preachers, yeah. pastors, and they're not. They're not. And so I would rather have somebody that's authentic. That does not mean he's perfect. It does not mean that there's not room to grow and he needs voices in his life helping him in the right direction. We're not denying that. But I would rather have somebody who's authentic than somebody who's a hypocrite any day of the week. That's just me personally. So I think that's why he's so attractive to Christians because Christians have grown disillusioned with everyone trying to get their vote by acting like they're some perfect Christian when in reality they're not. So authenticity is something that pulls people in, whereas hypocrisy is something that pushes people away. And Donald Trump is very authentic. You said it. He is who he is. There's no questioning who he is. And so we can appreciate that for the good, the bad, and the ugly sometimes. And so that's my opinion. I know, sir, I actually, I respect that answer a lot. I really do. I, again, I may not vibe with Trump entirely, but I do appreciate your answers because I believe that they're honest and they're true to you. And that's all I can ever ask for. I do want to ask you something before we close, because I want to be respectful of your time. But one of the big, the most frustrating things for me to watch is the infighting amongst believers. I know there's so many different sects of Christianity, but there's a lot of infighting over scripture, over opinions, giving our opinions or what we believe things mean and what's right and wrong. And it seems to create this, such a huge conflict that we're really taking our eyes off of what matters most. And that is being the hands and feet of Jesus and being that example. And when I see people fighting on Twitter and social media, heck, even inside of church walls about what they think is right, it's very, it's disturbing. And I don't believe any of it's leading others to Jesus. I don't believe it's leading anyone to freedom. So that said, I wanna ask you in your opinion, how can the body of Christ truly unite when they disagree with so much? (laughs) That's a very good question. That's a million dollar question right there. It's actually really simple. You got to keep the main thing. Most important thing we agree upon, and that is that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came, was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, buried, and on the third day he rose again, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is seated in glory and majesty, and he is soon and very soon returning again. 
So on the things that matter the most, we are in complete agreement upon. That's what makes us believers. That's what makes us the body of Christ. So you have a difference between what is called dogma and what is called doctrine. Dogma are the non-negotiables. I just listed dogma. These are what we cannot negotiate on, we cannot debate on. Doctrine is where disunity takes place. Are you pre-trib? Are you mid-trib? Are you post-trib? Are you, you just, <laughs> That's you my favorite know. argument, by the way. Yeah, you know, no, that's doctrine, and that we can have dialogue on, but we should not separate ourselves because we disagree on when the return of the Lord is, because to be honest with you, nobody knows. So therefore, why should we hate one another over something we don't know? The Bible says that they will know we are believers by the way that we love one another, not the way we love the world. People think the way we love the world, that's all they know we're going to know. No, no, no. Scripture says they will know that we are followers of Jesus by the way that we love one another. And so we've done a very poor job at that, loving the body of Christ. And unity is so important. When the Scripture talks about don't quench the Holy Spirit, it's in the context of unity. Division quenches the Holy Spirit moving in our midst because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. He's the bond of unity within the Godhead. And so a divided nation needs a united church. And the hope of America is not a political candidate. The hope of America is not a political party. The hope of America is the Lord Jesus Christ through the church, through the church. The most powerful institution on the planet today is not the U.S. government. It's not the World Economic Forum. It's not the nation of China or Iran or Russia. The most powerful institution on the face of the planet is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That binding and that loosing takes place in the atmosphere of unity. Therefore, as believers, we have to unite. And how can we unite? Keep the main thing. And if we do that, it'll create an atmosphere of unity. I that's another good answer, and I really appreciate that. I have one more question, and sure. this may be super easy for you to answer, or it may be complicated. I don't know. But I believe that God sees us all the same. I think he loves us the same, and obviously he may not appreciate our sin very much. He doesn't like that, I don't believe, but I believe he created us for a reason, and I believe that he loves us equally. So I have a hard time wrapping my head around why Israel is so special and why like the whole world is basically catering to Israel and the Jews' demands. And all of the leadership that we have in entertainment, pharmacy, media, et cetera, it's all Jewish. And they're responsible for a lot of the crap that's happening right now in the world. So again, look, the way that I believe, and I love the Bible, and I understand that in the Bible, it says that God, that Jews are God's chosen people. But I have a really hard time believing that they are considered greater in God's eyes than the rest of us. Can you explain to me how or why that's true, not true, or just comment on what I said? Because I would love to understand this one as well. It's a great question. And so the key to understanding that is a word called veracity. Veracity is an adherence to truth or promise. God has veracity, meaning if God makes a promise, he will not, he cannot break his promise. In fact, God keeps promises to even dead people. He spoke to Solomon 
and said to Solomon, if it wasn't for the promise I made to your father, David, I'd already removed you. And so God has veracity. God made a promise to Abraham. And God said, I'm going to bless those who bless you and your seed. And I'm going to curse those who curse you and your seed. The promise was made. The nation of Israel is the apple of God's eye. They still are today. Doesn't mean they're perfect because God disciplines his people. <laughs> you read scripture, God comes down very hard yeah, on the does. Jewish people. I'm telling you, the Lord disciplines his people, but he still loves them. And it's because he loves them that he disciplines them. Now, they have not, for the vast majority, have awakened to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. They're still looking for a Messiah. And so the nation of Israel is still going through tremendous things. They have since the dawn of Israel, they continue to have. And so Paul talks about how we as believers, Gentile believers, we have a responsibility to bless the nation of Israel because we are grafted into, we're grafted into the line of Abraham. And it is through our kindness and it is through our blessing them, Paul says, that many of them will be awakened to the gospel. So that is the responsibility. Why God loves Israel? He simply chose Abraham. He chose Abraham and Abraham obeyed and God made a promise and God has veracity, meaning he cannot break the promise that he has made. So the nation of Israel is still the apple of God's eye. Now, does that mean that every Jewish individual is a great human being? Not at all. Not at all. There are some terrible Jewish people in the world, just like there are some terrible Christians in the world. There are some terrible Muslims. There are some terrible Americans. There are some, every group, just go through the groups. There are some yeah. terrible people in every group. and But we do recognize that God loves the Jewish people. He made a promise to the Jewish people. And if he breaks that promise, he would break his very nature. He has veracity. He's a God who cannot break his promise. Doesn't mean undisciplined. He disciplines the nation of Israel, but he loves the people of Israel. That's my favorite part about God, actually, is the correction and the discipline. I, uh, Because it, to me, that is loving. It's just like not disciplining your kids. Like letting yeah. them be wild, crazy people hyped up on food coloring and sugar. And just like, that's not, that's, that's not, not being a loving father or a loving yeah. parent. So, yeah. And God, who God corrects, he loves. So if God's not correcting you, you might be in a little bit of trouble. You want that correction from the Lord. And now it doesn't mean it feels good. Doesn't mean you like it in the moment. Because I remember growing up when my parents disciplined me, I wasn't the biggest fan of the discipline. But <laughs> in hindsight, you're like, Thank God for the discipline because that kept me being a decent human. That and it leads to breakthrough too. I'm grateful for all of it. I've all of the trauma and the bad experiences of my life. I'm honestly can look at all of it now and thank God for it because of how it's helping now. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade any of it. So Jackson, I am like, again, I have mad respect for you, you. because I'm not a friendly audience. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I admire uh, the way that you answered every question, every, lovingly, pastors don't normally come on my program. So again, I, I'm grateful for that too, but I'm grateful for you. I love your podcast. You have a beautiful family. Your church Thank is you. doing awesome things. And uh, I just wish you nothing but success. But also, I want to give you an opportunity. Please plug anything you want to plug. You can, final words are yours. Yeah, I would say two aspects here. If somebody is listening and they need a COVID-19 religious exemption form, they can go to my website, which is jacksonlawmeyer.com, and they can download that form, have their pastor sign it. If their pastor refuses to sign it, I'll be more than happy to sign it for them. And so that's at my website, jacksonlawmeyer.com. 
And then we have a monthly prayer call that takes place that I think is very important at pastorsfortrump.com. It's not just for pastors. It's anybody that wants to come and pray for the country because we're in a lot of trouble and we need creative solutions, innovative ideas, and those flow through prayer. That as we talk to the Lord, he also talks to us. He gives us creative solutions, innovative ideas. And so every month we have a national prayer call and they can go to pastorsfortrump.com to register for that call. And we still believe that there's power in prayer. We still believe that and we've experienced that and we're going to continue to pray. And so jacksonlawmeyer.com, pastorsfortrump.com. Awesome. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Appreciate Bye-bye. it.